thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We are starting a series. It's called When People Meet Jesus. And this is, a, this is very, very near and dear to my heart because I met Jesus at a young age. And yes, when you first meet Jesus, when, when you first meet him, that's a moment of salvation if you choose to follow him. But Jesus meets us over and over and over and over again in our journey. And not, now he do, never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's always with us, but there are these moments that we anchor our life to that we think, you know what, I remember when Jesus met me right there. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's a low time. Maybe it's a difficult time. Maybe it's a high time. Maybe it's a decision time. And Jesus meets you at this particular moment. And we're going to be looking over the next several weeks about people who have encountered Jesus, stories in the Bible. Well, the one we just heard was about a blind man. His name was Bartimaeus. We're going to look at it in just a moment. Today is a very practical, practical message. I'm just going to walk line by line through this passage. We're going to pull out truths that we can apply in our life today. But I, be- I believe that the Bible should be something that, that we can take away. When, when you come into Sunday morning, you're impacted by the Word of God. You're challenged by the Spirit of God. And you have some practical tools to take into Monday or to take into Sunday after you leave here to apply them to your individual life, but also to apply them to, to other people in your life. I don't ever want you to come here and leave and say, you know what, that, I didn't understand anything he said. That must mean he's really smart. That's, that's not, that's not what, what I want. It, it's kind of like, it, like the guy who, who told the pastor after a long, boring sermon, he, he went to the pastor, he said, Pastor, listen, I, I just got to tell you, your sermon was like the peace of God and the mercy of God. And the pastor said, wow, well, th- thank you so much. The guy said, no, no, it's not a compliment. He said, it was like the peace of God. Because it passed all understanding. <laughs> and it was like the mercy of God because it endured forever. <laughs> so that's, that's not my goal that you would leave um, with any of that. So, I, I, you know, I encountered Jesus at a young age. I met Jesus at a very young age. Um, I, was, I was impacted by him in a, in a very powerful way. And uh, I'm sipping on some hot tea up here. So let's just pull up a... Pull up a chair and let's talk, okay? And was, I was five years old, and, and I met Jesus in a, in a church service. I remember, I remember the moment. It was a Sunday night. And I felt God's presence in a way I'd never felt it before. I knew at that moment that I needed a Savior. Now, how in the world does a five-year-old come to this realization, I'm a sinner? I'm telling you, when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes on you, you know you're a sinner and you need Jesus. And, I, and I, was, I was impacted deeply. And I gave my life to Jesus at the age of five. And at the age of six, I, I had another encounter with God. And, and, I, and I always, I've always had this desire to know more of God. And maybe it's my personality. Maybe it's how God wired me. I, you know, if, if I, if, if, it's kind of like if, if I have one piece of cake, why not have seven? You know, it's just one, one of those kind of things. But, but when you get something good, like 
the God of the universe, who begins to, to call you his own, who begins to, to break off of you the insecurities that life just naturally brings, when, when he begins to, to separate you from, from other groups and people and, and to almost you feel like you're special. And that, that's what's wonderful about God is he can make all of us feel like we're his favorite and we're all in the same room together. That's, that's what God can do. But I've always had a desire to know God more. And the age of six, I, I, I encountered God in, a, in, a, in a just an incredible way where I was filled with his presence in a way that I'd never been touched and filled before. That's one of the, the desires for me as, as leading this church is I... I when, when, it's not that it's a fear, but it's one of, my, one of the things I, I think through a lot is I, I want the church that I'm leading to be a place that my children can encounter the presence of God. I, I want them to know what God's presence feels like. And we're growing in that as a church. Are we where, where I believe God wants us? No, we're not. But we're going to keep growing. And he's going to lead us according to his purposes. And I want your children to have an experience to know I met Jesus right there. I want your children to know I know what God's presence feels like because I felt it in this service when we were worshiping. I want us to have this tangible sense that when we gather, God shows up. Amen? And so I met God at the age of six and, 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 and as far as him filling me with the spirit. And then at the age of seven, I was baptized. And I remember the moment, these key memory moments that I anchor my life to. I remember the age of 17, I was just in a car accident, and, and it seemed like the world was kind of crashing in on me, and possibly I was going I, I to be responsible for all the things that happened, and I'll tell you that story another time. It's a crazy story. But at age 17, I was, I, I was starting to kind of pull away from God a little bit. I was kind of wanting to go my own way, and the influences in my life weren't that positive, and, and, um, and I got in this car accident. And it was in that moment when, when I thought, you know, usually when you're 17, you think you can make mistakes, but it'll, it'll go away and it won't matter. I can just keep doing whatever I want to do. At that moment, it wasn't going away. And I felt this weight on me. And I remember in a moment that God gave me his peace and said, if you'll give me your life wholeheartedly, I'll carry this for you. I met God in a special way. I remember at the age of 17, same year. I was at church, and a, and a pra- pastor was there, and um, this both scared me to death and encouraged me at the same time, and he pointed me out, and he told me to come forward. That'll freak a, a 17-year-old out, let me tell you that. And I, and I was still had some stubbornness in my heart. And anyone here ever known a stubborn 17-year-old? Uh, just Anyone else ever known someone? Not all 17-year-olds are stubborn. Just most of them. That's all. And I was one of them. He called me forward. And this is all he said to me. He looked me in the eye and said, you, son, are too strong. And when he said strong, it was like the power of God fell all over me. And I was humbled in God's presence. I encountered him. The age of 19 in Bible college, I, I was at the, it was at a chapel and the minister was ministering. And, and he stopped and he said, he said, I think God's calling someone to ministry right now. 
He said, you, right now your, your heart feels like it's beating out of your chest. You know that I, I said, I, said I, I, don't want, I don't want everybody to come forward. There's some, and he began to talk, and it was me. I began to tremble. I began to weep. And I encountered God at that moment. And when people meet Jesus, when you meet Jesus, things happen in our lives. Things are transformed in us. And there's, there's a, and when we look at these, these very practical stories, as we're reading today about blind Bartimaeus, there are some practical keys that we can pull from them and apply to our own lives that both will apply to unbelievers and believers today. And so as we walk through this today, my desire is that we could recognize, one, when Jesus meets us, there's a purpose. When he meets us, when he begins to speak to us, there's, he's wanting to move something forward in our lives. And so we're going to look at this story of blind Bartimaeus. And, and I, I'm going to, we're going to read it again here. I, I'm just going to pull it up. But I'm just going to believe that God's going to do something amazing for you. Because I know that there are, there are people here in this room, you need to meet Jesus in a fresh new way. You're saved. You know him. You walked with him. But you need an, you need an encounter with him. You need an encounter. There's, there's maybe some people in the room you don't know Jesus. And you came here today, and, and you, re- you realize, and you, you hear my voice today, and you think, I do not know Jesus. There are people in your life, there are people in your community, there are people that you run into every day that their whole purpose of why they exist on this planet is to know Jesus, and they don't know him. And so we, as, as the church, need to recognize that we have a, a God who is, who is passionate about encountering people all the time. All the time. That he wants to meet them. He wants to change them. He wants to transform them. He wants to change us. He wants to meet, meet us. He wants to transform us. He wants to use us to bring other people into his kingdom. So that when he returns, we can give him as many people as we can possibly give him. Amen? So we're going to go on a journey today looking at this story. You're going to be challenged There's going to be some sober moments through this time, but I believe God wants to meet us in a fresh new way. And so we're going to read this story and look at what happens when people meet Jesus. Mark chapter 10. They came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, leaving Jerusalem, actually. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging, and when he heard That it was Jesus. When he heard Jesus was coming, Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he just shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him to me. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the way. I want to talk about what happens when we first encounter Jesus, whether you're saved or unsaved. And this is the first thing that happens in this point number one. He reveals their condition. When Jesus meets people, he he reveals their condition. Jesus meets you, he reveals your condition. In other words, what's really going on in your life? His desire is to reveal your condition. Blind Bartimaeus, he met Jesus, he was blind. But when he heard Jesus was coming, he totally was completely aware that he was blind. 
He was doing his own thing. He was, he was living life as normal. He was on the road. He was begging like he normally did. And it was at that moment he became very aware that of my condition, I am blind and this man coming is the person that I need. And when we meet Jesus, this is what happens. When, when we encounter him, whether it's through the word or whether at church or whether at home, whether in your car, this is when we meet him, he pulls the curtains back of our hearts and we begin to really see what's really going on in our lives. We become fully aware of our condition. We know I'm blind. It may not be physical blindness. It may, it may be areas of, of other blindness in your life. But it's, it's in that moment that truth is revealed and we begin to see our condition for what we, for, for really who we are. And, you know, we live in a world that, that there is a God of this age. The God of this age is Satan. Little G, the God of this age. And his whole purpose is to blind both believers and non-believers. His whole purpose is to, is to put scales on their eyes. His whole purpose is to convince them that the truth of God really isn't truth. Because if you think about it, even in our own lives, there have been times when maybe something in our lives that we were, we were participating in, we saw it in a moment, this is not for me, I'm going to move on from there. And then so you begin to move on and then later on in life, you become blinded to your condition where now the condition that you, that you were trying to move out from and have moved out from, you begin to fall back into it because, it because you have been blinded to your condition again. Or you have been deceived. And the, the issue with being deceived is this. It's hard to tell that you're deceived because you're deceived. So how in the world do you know if you're deceived because you're deceived? It takes an encounter with Jesus that he reveals your condition. This, is, this has been the, actually the, the, the plan of, of the enemy from the very beginning. Happened in the Garden of Eden. 2 Corinthians 11.3. Remember, Paul is writing to Christians just like us. He says, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's Cunning, in other words, smart, clever. Your minds may somehow be led astray from sincere and pure devotion to Jesus Christ. So there would be a blindness there. Eve participated and she ate of the tree and God told her not to. But how, how did the enemy, he, he began to blind her from the truth of God. Began to blind her from her, from, from her condition. That if she was to eat of it, her condition would be terrible. Also, people who don't know God in the world are also blinded. I don't know if you know this or not, but there is a blindness that is on them. 2 Corinthians 4 says this, The God of this age, meaning Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So there is a blindness that the enemy is placing on unbelievers and believers. That for, for believers, he's blinding you, for you from your condition so that you can't move on and have the impact that your heart and desires to have an impact in. He blinds the, the, the minds of, of, of unbelievers so that they can't find Christ. So they actually think the gospel is foolishness. It's ridiculous. 
And so, or they, he blinds them to the truth of who God really is. If we were to go on the street and ask the question, you know, what, what do you think about God? Ask an average person or even Christian believer in church, what do you think about God? How would you describe God? Many people say, I think God is cruel. Or they'd say, if, if there is a God, I think he's mean, he's controlling, he's not engaged, he doesn't care, he's distant and far off. Both unbelievers and believers would probably say that as well. Because the enemy has blinded them to the reality of who God is. Some would say, the other side is, you know what? God doesn't really care about how you live your life. He loves you. Love wins. You don't have to have a relationship with him. He, he understands. He knows you're human. He knows you're going to have things in your life that shouldn't be there. He, it's okay. You don't have to do anything about them. You don't have to address them. He doesn't care what I do. He just, he just wants me to be happy. There's that side. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to be a part of a community. You don't have to, to, to serve him. When I stand before God, it, it doesn't matter. He's just going to say, hey, come on in. It, it doesn't matter. Both of those our deceptions about who God is, their blindness to who God actually is. Yes, God is the God of love, but he's also the God of justice. All at the same time, that who demands a punishment for sin. And thank God we have a Savior, Jesus, who took the punishment that you and I deserved upon himself so that we could live free lives. But the only way that we can understand truth as a believer, the only way that we can know if we're deceived, is if we read the Word of God, if we hear the Word of God preached, and if we begin to pray and ask God to reveal the condition of our hearts. But this is where we get our truth from. So Jesus shows up and, and, and he reveals to blind Bartimaeus in a fresh new way, I actually am blind. And so this is the first thing that happens when you meet Jesus. You understand your condition. You stop denying it. You stopped having fake ignorance of it. And you embrace it. This is my condition. I'm blind. The second thing that happens when people meet Jesus is this. Is Jesus reveals their need for him through conviction. Jesus reveals our need for him through then convicting us after he has revealed our condition. So Jesus is leaving Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jericho. And, he's, he's on, and, and Jericho is about 17 miles from Jerusalem. Jerusalem sits up on a hill. It's dry. It's, it's, it's not very fertile land. Um, it's a city on a hill. But Jericho is down below in, in the Jordan Valley. So the Jordan River runs through it. And so it's lush. It's beautiful. It's a vacation spot. And wealthy people would travel back from Jericho to Jerusalem depending on the time of the year. M much like some of you snowboard birds in this room. You know that. You travel depending on what the weather is like. And so beggars know that there's some money that goes back and forth on this trail, on this road. And so blind Bartimaeus is there, and he's, he's, he's begging, and, and he hears Jesus is coming. 
Now, he knows this man does miracles. He knows he's heard all about it. He knows he's, he's, he is in, impacting people's lives. There's been a ripple and a rumor that, man, this man, Jesus, has healed the sick. He's, he's cleansed the lepers. He's, he's, he's done amazing things. And so what this does is blind Bartimaeus at that time reveals not only I know I'm blind, but then the next thing is he reveals that I need Jesus. He is the solution to my problem. He's the solution to my problem. And that's what conviction does. It it helps us to understand that actually I I know this should not be in my life. I know I need to make a change. I know I need to move forward. But then conviction from the Holy Spirit says, so lift your eyes because there's your hope. The Holy Spirit, when when he convicts you, points you to hope. Condemnation tells you you're, you're terrible, tells you you'll never change, t- reveals your sin, reveals the need and says, but that's just who you are and you're always going to be the, like that forever. And so you're condemned and so there is no hope. Conviction of the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 no. I'm showing you what's going on in your life so that you can come up here with me. So God says, I, I can have a plan for you. I, you can come up and become like me, more like me. And so blind Bartimaeus understands this is what's going on. It reveals his need. When Jesus, he encounters Jesus from a distance. He hears about it. He knows, I need this man, Jesus. And that's really what conviction does, man. Conviction, you feel the weight of your sin. And then you recognize, I need this man, Jesus. Think about when people come to Christ. Think about when, when you first came to Jesus Christ, there should have been a moment of conviction that you realized, I am a sinner. And I've got this thousand pound weight on my chest. And the only way that I can get it off is to do with what I just heard about this man, Jesus, who came to take this thousand pound weight off of my chest. It's through the hearing of the word, it's through the preaching of the gospel that sets people free. Say amen to that. That's what it's about. Nobody's life has changed at all. Nobody's life has changed at all without the gospel. You can impact people. Social things that we do, they're very important. But we do them for the purpose that we can share the gospel. So that there is a conviction that people will then turn their lives over to Jesus. But here's, here's my point in this. Many people, the problem is this. It's not about the conviction. But many people have come under conviction, but have never repented. It happens all the time. They stop at the point of conviction. They never went on to be changed by Jesus. It's totally possible to hear the word of God, for your condition to be revealed, for you to feel convicted of your sins, for you to know that you need Jesus, to be aware that the weight of your sin is there, but to never repent of your sin and ask him for help. Blind Barimaeus, he knew, I'm blind. He knew this man is the only man who could help me. He could have just shut his mouth and not said a thing. But I don't want him. I know this to be true. When Cheryl and I were in college, we were part of a ministry team. We traveled all over the place, and we were ministering at youth groups and all kinds of stuff. And and, and I I gave the the, the altar call at the end, and, and God was... You know, touching people's lives, it was great. But there was this one boy that I saw. And he was, you could see the weight of conviction. 
like he, like he was like, God was dealing with his heart. And I went down to him, and he was weeping. He was broken. And, and I said, and I asked, what's going on? And he said, I just, I, I feel so bad. Like, I, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a sinner. And, with, and he was broken. And I said, listen, man. Do you want to give your life to Jesus right now? He'll take it from you. And he lifted his eyes to me with tears in his eyes, with the heaviness on his heart. And he said, no. You, you can be convicted, but not respond to it. Now, I pray that God used that. And I pray that that, that young man is, is serving the Lord today. But at that moment, he resisted the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And when you encounter Jesus, he convicts you of what's going on in your life. He reveals your condition, and then he begins to convict you about your condition. I mean, there, there can be a desire to be forgiven. There can be a desire to be surrendered, but not a decision to lay your life down and ask for forgiveness. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're not going to mess up again. It doesn't, but it just means the posture of your heart is totally dependent on the king of the universe. Third thing that happens when people meet Jesus is sometimes there is confusion at first. When you read the story of blind Bartimaeus, you see his condition. He sees his condition. He feels the conviction that I need Jesus. And he lifts his voice and he says this in Mark 10, 47. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And then poor Bartimaeus. I mean, the guy's a beggar. The guy's blind. The guy's along, the, along a, a, a road there, very humbled in his life. He's got, he's got a couple groups of friends. When he calls out, son of David, have mercy on me, which is a significant statement. What he was doing was stating that he, as a Jew, he was identifying Jesus Christ as the Messiah for the Jews. Just so you know, that's what, that's what he said. Son of David means the Messiah, the one that was prophesied. But he, but he declares, son of David, have mercy on me. And the first group of friends in Mark 10, 48 says this. Many rebuked him and told him to shut up. Shut up. Be quiet. And then Jesus calls him. And then I think it's probably either a different group of friends or maybe in the same group of friends. They, they said this to him in the next verse. So they called to the blind man, cheer up and, go and, and get on your feet. And he's calling me. I've been like, cheer up. You just told me to shut up. What, what, what's going on? But yet you, you had these two influences on his life. And here's the application for us. For, for unbelievers, for if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, the... the the hindrance to you is this whole idea that you can have people influencing you that keep you from meeting Jesus. And you know it. You know their influences. You might, you might be a young person here today and you recognize there are influences in your life that are keeping you from meeting the Jesus that would set your heart on fire. But they're telling you, oh, just, no, no, come on. Go, go, you don't, don't be that passionate about God. Don't be that committed. You don't have to, just, come on, just, just live, live, come on, let's hang out. Even for believers, it's the same thing. You have people who, 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 are, 
who are competing for the attention of Jesus in your life, trying to convince you, you don't need to go all in. You don't need to give it all to God. You don't need to surrender everything to him. You have the enemy who's also telling you lies in, in your mind. You don't, have to, you don't have to surrender everything in your life. God understands. It's okay. And there's these influences. For many believers, and what happens a lot is many believers, one of the, the people who hinder people, some believers the most are, are those friends that, that you're compromising things with. So you kind of you have some you have this world over here that you have a several drinks on Friday night because they're your friends they're your buddies you go on a business trip and just you know it's not one glass of wine wine you have you have four and and these people are influencing you and they keep you from moving forward they keep you from encountering Jesus. In a way that would transform your life. Now, if, if, now let's, that's, that's Bartimaeus. He's got these influences just like you and I. You and I have influences. People who, who are, are telling us to be quiet, don't, don't pursue Jesus, you, and, and on both sides. Then you have the other side of blind Bartimaeus. If you actually, let's, let's step out of blind Bartimaeus for a second. And let's, let's put our feet into, into the shoes of, of the friends. So the question for us today, what's the application to us, to, to us today? My question to, to all of us here today, which group do you belong to? Do you belong to the first group that hinders people from meeting Jesus? Do you belong to that group that keeps people from encountering Jesus? In other words, does your life make people want to serve God? Does your life... Make the God that you say you represent point people to the Savior and say, there he is. For you dads, does your lifestyle that you live and, and what you demonstrate in your home, does it make your children at the end of the day say, I want to serve the Jesus my dad serves? Or do they see some breakdown in there? Which there will always be some breakdown. But how you handle that is what they're watching. For you moms, the, the, the way that you respond, what, comes, what you talk about, and, and the things that, that, that people watch. and does, does all of that help our children say, man, I wanna, I'm going to move closer to this Jesus that you're serving? Are you hindering people? Or from a very practical standpoint, are there people in your life that you know that God wants them to meet Jesus? God wants them to meet him. But you've never really just been open about your faith. You don't have to be actively hindering people. You could actually be inactively hindering people. This is not to put a weight on you today. This is just to allow the word of God just to speak to us and challenge us. The other side is, which I believe many of us in this room are. I think most of us are this one. Are we helping people meet Jesus? Just like the group of friends, and we say, hey, listen, Jesus is calling you. Jesus has his hand on you. Jesus has a plan for you. Your life is appealing to others. You demonstrate, you demonstrate what it means to live in integrity and have character. And then when you do blow it and when you do mess up, and you will, you're quick to say, I was wrong. This is not who God wants me to be. And you repent and you move forward. 
Are you, you know, the, the, those people who are helping people meet Jesus, they're, they're, they're sharing Christ with people. They're, they're, they don't hide their faith. They're very open with it. When something comes up, you're not ashamed of the gospel. You're not ashamed. You're, you're thinking about inviting people to Easter. You're thinking about inviting people to the Passion Play. You're thinking about all these different pieces, and you're like, you know what? You're helping people. And I know this is a lot of us today, but these are the, these are the two sides. But this whole idea is you don't have to have a sermon plan. You don't have to know all the seven points. And you don't have to have all the, 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 the rigmarole and know about eschatology and this and that and Daniel 11. And listen, how about that? Just point people to Jesus. Because he's calling them already. He's, he, he's, already, he's already beckoning their heart. He's already revealed himself to them through creation. He's already revealed himself to them through, through the hole in their own heart. They're, they're just waiting for someone like you to say, hey, listen, let me tell you. Let, let, let me point you to Jesus because he's calling you. That's really all it takes. So it, for us who are in small groups or the leaders of small groups, and listen, we, we don't have to have all the answers. We just have to know who to point them to who has all the answers. We just love on them and we serve people. We're called to demonstrate the goodness of God to the world so that they might be saved. You move from being a part of the harvest to now being a laborer in the harvest. That's why the church exists. Both. So when also, the fourth thing what happens when people meet Jesus we can learn from this story is this. Number four, because when we meet Jesus, he wants us to confess our need. When we meet Jesus, there is there's the condition, the revealing of our condition. There is the, the conviction of our own hearts. Whether you walk with Jesus your whole life or you haven't walked with him, he convicts us. There's, there's, there can be confusion at the time that you wrestle through the mindset of what you, who has put an influence on you and who hasn't put an influence on you. And then there's... This one here, he wants us to confess our need. So, so here's the deal. Picture this blind Bartimaeus calls out to Jesus. And Jesus stops and asks him the, the strangest question for me in this passage. So here's the God of the universe who knows all things. It's very obvious what's Bartimaeus' problem He's, Jesus calls him. He, he's walking, trying to find Jesus. He, he's moving his hands. Maybe he's got a stick. I don't know. He's trying to figure it out. Uh, it's very obvious this man can't see. He can't see. So he, he makes his way over to Jesus, and, and, and he comes up, and, and, and his eyes, I, I, I'm, I don't know what's going on with him, but you, can, you know he's blind. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus was like, I hurt my ankle, and I was wondering if you could. <laughs> I stubbed my toe on my way over here. I, I just need. Now, why would Jesus knows what he needs? He knows what he wants. It's very obvious. You don't have to be divine to know that this man needs to see. But Jesus says, what do you want me to do? Go ahead. What do you want me to do? 
And he wants Bartimaeus to admit his need for Jesus. He wants Bartimaeus to be real. He wants Bartimaeus to be, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I'm waiting for. He wants him to, to, not to put on any airs of, of religion or jump through some hoops and, 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 well, let me go and change my clothes so I can come back and be more presentable to you. And let the, he, he doesn't want it. He just wants blind Bartimaeus to be honest with what he needs and to be honest with Jesus who loves him and cares for him. And he says, what do you need? There's something powerful about admitting to God what we actually need. So let, let me ask you a question today. If Jesus was to stand in front of you today and say, hey, come here, come here. Calls you by name. Come here. Come here. So you get up and you walk up to Jesus and he says, what do you need? What do you need? I mean, this is, this is our chance. You know, many times in, in our prayer life, this whole, well, you know, I, I need this, but I'm going to pray for that because, you know, my life is pretty good. And, I, you know, I, I, other people have less than me. And I don't want to, listen, let's forget all of that. Forget it. Forget it all. Jesus asked you a question. What do you need? And he wants you to confess your need. What would you say to him? I mean, really think about it. What would you say to Jesus? Lord, I just, I want you, I just want you to bless my sister Carol. Okay, all right, okay. What do you want from, from me? And many times we, 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 we're not real honest with God. We, we, we just... We, we pray really nice things and prayers that we think God wants us to be saying to him so that we can somehow look more religious when we're praying to God. And he, and he sees through it all. My challenge to you today, I believe what God's challenging you, he's asking you the question, what do you want from me? What do you want? He's called you. He knows you. He knows everything you're going through. He knows what you're dealing with. What do you want from me? What would you say? Lord, I, Lord, I, I need you to heal my mind. God, I, I, my, my mind's uh, it's corrupted. I, I'm, I'm struggling. I need wisdom. I, I don't know what to do. And Lord, I, I need to overcome temptation in this particular area. I need to stop looking at pornography. God, God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. I need you to help me. I need you to heal my body. God, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with depression. I need you to help me with my depression. I need you to, for, to help me forgive my mom or my dad or my aunt or my uncle. God, I, I need a miracle. God, I need a job. God, I, I need my child to come to Christ. I, I, I need them to come to you, Lord. And I'd like for us today to be like Bartimaeus and say, can we admit, really, and confess what you need from Jesus? Because he's asking you, what do you need from me? That's the beauty of the Savior. He doesn't want us to put on errors, to be like, ha, ah, this is what I, Lord, I want world peace. I, yeah, I, I, I know that. I, I get that. But what do you want from me? 
What is that for you? What is that? I believe that's what Jesus is asking us today. What, what, what do you want? Not that he's a slot machine in the sky and you just, you, whatever you want, you pull it. But, but it's, it's, this, it's beginning the journey of just being honest with God. God, this is, what, this is what I need. The fifth thing, the last thing is this. When people meet Jesus, there is a change that takes place. Once they respond to the conviction, once they admit what their need is, then there is a change that takes place. So here's Bartimaeus sitting along the road begging Jesus to come, or actually begging for money, but he sees you, hears Jesus, he's calling out to Jesus, Jesus calls him. And when Jesus calls him, he says, come here. And this is what happens, John, or sorry, Mark 10, 50 says this, throwing his cloak aside. This is very, very interesting. Why would the writer mention something about a cloak? That's like leaving his sock behind. Why, why would he say that? Unless it has a, a meaning. He jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. Here, I want you to hear this for a moment. This cloak that, that Bartimaeus had, it was what's called a beggar's covering. It was a large piece of cloth that they begged with, but on the inside they had, they had sewn all types of pockets that they would keep their different money in. They would keep all their worldly possessions in. He was a beggar, so he didn't have a lot, but this was his whole world. Everything he had begged for, everything he had worked for, his, everything was in this cloak. They, this, his whole life was there. And when Jesus calls him, he threw it aside, jumped to his feet, and came to Jesus. He left his whole world behind to meet with Jesus. He gave it all up to meet with Jesus. So the question for us today, what is the cloak that you have in your life that you won't give up? Jesus, he calls you, come here, come closer, come meet with me. But we still got a cloak. We still got what, what, what is ours. We, 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 yeah, but this is, I, you know, this is everything I've worked for, everything I've got, everything I want, everything. And he says, just come to me. And we say, okay, hang on a second. Let me sort out what I'm going to do with X, Y, and Z. Before, Hey, can you watch my cloak while I run over here? Let me just double check something. And Jesus is saying, come to me. Bartimaeus threw it all aside. And he just ran to Jesus. He recognized Jesus was his only hope. He recognized that everything he had worked his whole life for at that moment didn't matter a bit. And he threw it aside and he ran to Jesus. What is your cloak today that you're trusting in that's keeping you from total, full surrender to Jesus? What is it that gives you your security? What is it that helps you feel safe? What is it at the end of the day when you run through your checklist and you think, okay, boom, 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 boom. Okay, everything is good. All right, God, now that everything is good in my mind, now you are good. It doesn't mean those things are bad. It doesn't mean those things, you shouldn't have them in your life. It's just the challenge is this from the word of God. To move your faith from, from your cloak 
from your security and what you have, your gifts are, what you possess, your talents, your family, the acceptance, position. How many people know you? To move, put your faith, to move your faith from those things and put your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. It is only in that place that you will find your healing, you'll find your peace, you'll find you'll find what Bartimaeus found. It says your faith has made you whole. You'll actually have a sense of wholeness. You have a sense, this is what I was meant to do. Is to know you, Jesus. This is why I was created. To understand your love for me. And to grow my relationship with you. And this is the what happens when a blind man on a street to Jericho meets Jesus. And this is what the Word of God teaches us today. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.